The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, everybody. Brennan here. Just before this show was about to release, we received a note from our listener, Eric, notifying us that another listener and patron of ours, Karen, had passed away unexpectedly. Eric told us that he and Karen had bonded over our show, and that meant a ton to us. So we wanted to take a minute and dedicate this episode, our 100th episode, to Karen, and to Eric, who's missing her. Close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number, wait for it, 100. <laughs> And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. Not only can I not believe we reached 100 episodes, I can't believe we're still speaking. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I drink, that helps. So, you know. <laughs> But yes, it is episode 100. Wow. 100. One, zero, zero. That is That is where we're at. And actually, uh, Luke, his companion podcast, uh, Luke Lore, he just hit 5,000 downloads. Yay! Yeah. So he's, he's, on the, he's on the come up too. That's awesome. It is Christmas, of course, mm-hmm. and on Christmas, mm-hmm. we celebrate by telling scary stories, but a little bit different than we usually do, because usually we tell true life stories of the paranormal. Yeah, that's right. However, uh, last year, or actually year one, we did uh, Very Scary Christmas Volume 1, and that was uh, Lovecraft stories. We just straight up read Lovecraft stories. And then Very Scary Christmas Volume 2, that was last year, we took two stories. We took The Nightwire by H.F. Arnold and my original story, Coming Home, and we turned them into audio dramas, theater of the mind. And so this year, we've done that again, but this year we've taken it 
to the next level, I think. <laughs> we may get told to take it back to another level. But <laughs> well, it's very possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's an idea I had last year, which was we put it out there that we're looking for submissions and we're willing to right. pay a cash prize for the, for the story we choose. And we're going to adapt a new story or a newish story. And so this time around, we, we put that call out and we didn't get as many, uh, as many submissions as we thought we did, or pardon me, as we thought we would. I know Luke, he figured everyone's hungry this year. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get a, a lot of submissions and we didn't really, but the ones we got were very good. I know one of our patrons submitted a story, a couple other listeners submitted stories, but in the end, the story we kept coming back to, uh, was the one we're going to be presenting tonight. And that story is uh, not from an up-and-coming novelist. That's actually from, uh, the story is from a, a very well-accomplished writer. He is Paul Kane. Paul is the best-selling author of a huge number of science fiction, horror, and dark fantasy books, including the Arrowhead Trilogy, Touching the Flame, Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell, The Gemini Factor, and, and so many more. He's a brilliant, brilliant writer, and we are very lucky to have a piece of his work on this show. That story, A Nightmare on 34th Street. You can find Paul on social media. He's on Twitter as Paul Kane Shadow. That's Kane, K-A-N-E. He's also on Instagram as paul.kane.376. And you can find his website at shadow-writer.co.uk. And of course, you can find all his books on Amazon. We'll include some links to some of his work in the show notes. So if you want to pick something up, you can just click and find it there. And if you're a patron at the $5 level and above, as of Tuesday, you will be able to listen to a roughly 25 to 30 minute interview with Paul that I conducted a few days ago. It's a really interesting chat. He's a, again, he's a great guy. And so uh, I recommend you check that out. And of course, if you want to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And uh, last year we had two stories. Mm-hmm. This year's just going to be the one. Mm-hmm. And that's because this was much more involved in terms of <laughs> it's pr- production. It's a lot more work. <laughs> a lot more work. Yeah. But I'm really, really proud of the work everyone's done for this one because we have all the staff on board. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing voices. Well, even extra people. Yes. Yeah, Relatives we had, of staff. <laughs> yes. We, we had more roles than we had staff. That's awesome. In total, there is Sarah... There's you, there's me, there's Luke, there's Anthony, and there is also Anthony's son, Aiden, Jermaine, mm-hmm. who is, has a role, and you'll hear who in the, which roles, in the, actually two roles, and you'll hear those in the credits. Yep. Something that is different from this year over last is that last year we used a lot of music cues, but they were all from this subscription site that we belong to. Right. This year, thanks to one of our listeners, we happened to make the acquaintance of the artist Chris Mori from the band Genki Genki Panic. And they are a surf band out of Tennessee. I've become a real big fan of their stuff over the last couple months. And through just a series of circumstances, Chris reached out to us and said, hey, if you guys ever want original music, let me know. And I said, you fool. (laughs) I am just the thing. That's perfect. So all the original music you're about to hear on this episode was written for this episode. There is one standalone track that exists uh, from his album, Beyond the Black Reverb. Mm-hmm. But um, it, apart from that, it is all original music by Chris. And you can find the soundtrack at his Bandcamp page at genkigenkipanic.bandcamp.com. And we'll include a link to this in the show notes so you can uh, just go right there. But it's got really dope cover art. Uh, I, I selfishly admit by yours truly. <laughs> and some really brilliant music 
by Chris. And Chris was a trooper, man, because he, you know, I, I'm a picky bastard. And he really, really delivered. Before we go and let everyone just listen to, to this episode, uh, we should probably chime in with the content warning. Oh, yes. Yes, which, which is new. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but and probably just for this episode. Yes, yeah, because this is a, a very gritty horror noir story. So it, it's less fantastical than some of the stuff, or than anything we did on the last episode. This is a much more hard-bitten story uh, about violence. As of now, our patrons will be listening to an uh, exclusive interview with the author of the story, Paul Kane. And in it, Paul describes that he wrote this story. One of the reasons he wrote the story is he wanted to address the topic, as he calls it, because Paul, Paul is English, the American problem of guns. Right. And so this is a violent story that involves gun violence. And if, if that is in any way triggering to you, if that's in any way an issue for you, just so you know, that is coming. But uh, I, I think it's, again, if, if, you're, if you can soldier through that, I think it's worth your time because there are some really fun performances and a lot of work went into to preparing this for you for our, mm -hmm. our big 100th episode. And 100 folks, slash Christmas episode. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of bizarre how that worked yeah, out. Yeah, right? I know. It's crazy. We'll, get, we'll do all the proper thanks at the end, but we just got to say, folks, this has been a hell of a ride. And thank you so, so much for getting us to 100 episodes. It's it's inconceivable, really, to think of being here. Yeah, I agree. And I know we've touched on it over the years, the, the goofiness that was the first few episodes, <laughs> but it's pretty wild that we are here. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think uh, Turducken has um, pushed us into a new level, and I, I actually kind of like it. No, oh, me too. I'm excited. I'm very excited. So, without any further ado, we present to you... A Nightmare on 34th Street by Paul Kane. A Nightmare on 34th Street by Paul Kane. Adapted for audio by Brennan Storr. of loving, of giving, peace on earth and goodwill to all men, or should that be persons in this new politically correct world? I tell you what folks, when I was growing up, it was yes sir and Loving and giving? Yeah right. Officer Mal Doherty hadn't seen much evidence of peace on earth recently. Hadn't seen much evidence in all his years on the job, come to think of it. Yes, it was true that the crime rate had gone down in New York, so the figures said. But here on the streets, that was hard to see. Muggings, stabbings, shootings. There were never any shortage of those. The last one he'd seen involved a drug case back in August. Mal and his partner Norman Young had provided backup for the cops in charge, and they'd witnessed the worst possible outcome of a deal gone sour. Mal could see the blood now, exploding out of the victim's chest. He shook his head. He'd seen worse. Much worse. 
But the less you think about it, the better. Here you go, T. Two coffee. That'll keep you going for a while. Thanks, Harry. Mal had been coming to Harry Grace's stall ever since it became part of his beat a few years ago. Harry made the best damn cup of java you'd ever tasted, and his hot dogs and donuts weren't so shabby either. The large man with salt and pepper hair and a glowing red nose that would give Rudolph a run for his money leaned against his cart, grinning as Mal fished in his pocket for change. No need for that, T. It's on the house tonight. It's Christmas. Mal looked up and down the street, surveying the scene. The swell of bodies filling up the space, bobbing in and out of stores, most notably Crosby's, the biggest store on 34th Street, all doing their last-minute shopping. Up above, giant screens advertised everything from aftershave or perfume to outrageously expensive sports cars, a little something for the man or woman who has everything. Not too far away, a Salvation Army band was playing O Come All Ye Faithful. So it is. God bless us. Everyone. He raised his coffee in salute, then took a sip, the liquid warming him up temporarily. It was freezing out here tonight, the weatherman promising snow again before the evening was out, to top up the layer that had already settled the day before last. Mal wasn't looking forward to working on Christmas Eve of all nights, but he and Norman had drawn the shitty straw once again, so he just had to accept the fact that he was on shift till well after midnight. It meant he'd miss all the preparations that were going on back at home. His children, Lauren, seven, and Brad, five, getting all excited, ready to put out the mince pies and sherry for Santa. Wendy helping them make out their wish lists, a tradition from Mal's own childhood. Then they'd put them under the tree in the hopes they'd be replaced with brightly colored packages tied up with bows the next morning. That's really what it was all about. The innocence of kids, their belief in magic. Mal missed that, now that he was a grown-up. You've been watching too many old movies, T. <laughs> yeah. Well, cheers, Harry. You have a good one, won't you? You too, T. Say hi to the wife and kids for me. Mal raised both coffee cups now and turned his back on the vendor. He made his way past the crowds, back to the distinctive white and blue patrol car parked on the opposite side of the road. In store windows, he saw his reflection. NYPD uniform, peak cap, padded jacket and belt with baton and gun hanging from it. Mal sometimes wondered why he'd ever joined the force. To make a difference? To make the city a safer place? To help create a decent world for his children? Give them something to believe in? At times it just felt like he was fighting a losing battle. Norm sat in the passenger side of the vehicle and wound down the window as Mal approached. The sounds of the radio wafted Mal's way. It's about time. I was beginning to think you were grinding the beans yourself. Hey, no donuts tonight. You can do without them. Save some room for that turkey tomorrow. I can always find room for one of Harry's donuts. Yeah, I'm sure. Mal drank some more of his coffee and looked back over the crowd again, seeing the faces this time. No one on the streets of New York tonight seemed particularly happy or festive. They looked stressed, impatient, irritable. In a way, Christmas had almost become a mirror of modern society. Everything had to be done in a hurry, and there was more pressure than ever to get things right, to keep up. Lose your footing on the treadmill and you were a goner. The ad showed a perfect world that couldn't possibly exist and was all but impossible to live up to. Happy families, friends, lovers, all gathered around the fire playing games and having fun. The reality? Most family get-togethers ended in arguments, 
Most parties relied on booze to kickstart them. And as for those on their own at this time of year thinking they were missing out, well, there was no wonder the suicide rate rocketed between December 24th and 26th. What are you thinking about? Hmm. Oh, nothing much. Nothing. Mal's sentence tailed off as he noticed a disturbance out on the street. There were a handful of people piling out of Crosby's, a couple of maroon-suited staff following them. But these people didn't look stressed, at least not in the same way the other New Yorkers did. They looked more panicked than anything, tumbling out of the entranceway, arms flailing. Norm? Still here. Take a look across the road. Mal pointed in the direction of Crosby's and what was rapidly becoming a small-scale riot of sorts. Something's up. No shit. Hold this. I'm gonna go check it out. Mal made his way back across the street, not bothering to wait for the traffic signals to change this time. Instead, he dodged in and out of the cars, earning a blast on the horn from one yellow taxicab. The police officer pushed past the gathering crowds to get to the people in the entranceway. What the hell is this? A fire? Christ, I hope it's not the terrorists again. We've had enough of that shit for a lifetime. Mal put his hand on the shoulder of the first woman he came to. Ma'am, what's the problem here? The woman turned to him, a look of bewilderment on her face. Ma'am, can you tell me what's going on? The woman kept staring at him, dumbstruck, until one of the Crosby staff came up to him and interrupted. Officer. Oh, thank God. What's going on, son? There's... there's been an incident. One of the elves... More people surged out of Crosby's, and Mal grabbed the member of staff before he could be swallowed up by the churning mass of humanity. He looked in their eyes. How many? Just one guy. He's gone nuts. There's still people inside. Children. See that squad car over there? Go tell that officer exactly what's happening. I, I think someone already called the authorities. Go tell him anyway. The man nodded and began to push back through the crowd until he disappeared from sight. All right, Doherty, what should you do? Backup's probably on the way right now. Wait for it to arrive? It might be too late by then. And that guy said there were people inside, children. I have to do something. Fighting against the tide of humans that were still pouring from the store, he headed for the doors and inside of Crosby's department store. Mal had been here only last Saturday, but under much different circumstances. That day, he'd been looking forward to visiting the store, bringing Lauren and Brad across the bridge to see Santa. Word had it that the fellow they'd hired this year was good at the job, convincing and great with the kids, and Mel had to admit they were right. They'd lined up for hours on his day off just so his little boy and girl could sit on Santa's lap, and it was worth it to see their faces light up as they entered the workshop. It was decorated with candy-colored stripes, balloons, huge fluffy bears, and trees covered with baubles, stars, and chocolate treats. There was even a toy train chuffing around tracks above the parents' and children's heads. Afterward, as Mal took their hands to lead them away, Santa pulled down his half-moon glasses and winked. Nice memories. The shots were coming from the direction of that same workshop. Obviously, someone else had been pondering the nature of this season a little too much and had come up with their own way of coping. Mal drew his service weapon and broke into a run, navigating through the stream of customers fleeing the other way. He'd only discharged his weapon once in the line of duty and lived in fear of having to do it again. Mal hoped with all his heart it wouldn't come to that tonight. 
The first thing he saw as he entered the workshop was the train on the tracks above his head. It had been derailed and now hung down like a limp member, flaccid and useless. There was a break in the tracks, ragged pieces sticking out where the blast had hit it. Mal crept further inside, his forehead dripping with sweat, partly due to the change in temperature and partly to his anxiety at what he might find in there. It was like a snapshot from someone's nightmare. The workshop transformed into a hellish underworld. Bullets had riddled the brightly colored walls, the fluffy bears and the mock presence on display. Parts of the scenery had been almost shredded in half by the gunfire. Bobbles on trees shattered. Mal saw an elf helper propped up against some steps holding her arm. A stark redness was pouring through her fingers, dripping down her lime green costume. Their eyes met, and for a moment he saw a glimmer of hope in them. The gunfire peppered the wall behind Mal and he hit the ground, spreading himself flat. He tried to work out the position of the shooter based on where the bullets had come from. It was all but impossible. The whole thing had happened too quickly. From his place on the floor, he could see more bodies, feet upon feet. He couldn't tell whether the people they belonged to were just injured like the elf or... Mal could hear children crying, adults half screaming and half whimpering with fright. Jesus, who would do something like this? He crawled along on his belly as his hostage and siege training flashed through his mind. He should try to engage this person in conversation somehow, get them talking. At least then they wouldn't be shooting anyone. But who is to say this guy even wanted to talk? Only one way to find out. Hey! Hey you! No response. Hey! I want to talk to you. Don't want to talk. Mal flinched. Then just listen, okay? Nothing. You don't really want to be doing this, do you? Do you really want to hurt anyone? Put down your weapon and we'll sort all this out, all right? You can't sort anything out. No one can. Good. You've engaged him. Now keep going. There's nothing that can't be fixed. That's what you think. So tell me about it. What is it? Money? Your job? Something more personal? My job. Ha! That's a good one. Okay, so it's work. He's lost his job or something. Maybe his family too. That's enough to set anyone off at any time of year. It can't be that bad. It's worse. They... They never stop coming. Who? Who won't stop coming? Mal raised his head slightly, figuring he just about had an angle on the direction of the voice. Over on his far left. Then he saw the gunman, and it turned his blood colder than a winter's day in Lapland. Jesus. There, by the side of Santa's golden throne, he stood. The same man who had been bouncing Lauren and Brad up and down on his knees just last week, who'd winked at them as they left. He had a bottle of whiskey in one hand and a rifle in the other. By his feet was a sack of other weapons, and tucked in his black belt were two automatic pistols. The letters, the children, the presents. I just can't take it anymore. It's the same every year. They never stop coming. Never. Listen, what's your name? You know my name. My name's... He can't be serious. No, 
Your real name. You know that too. Deep down, you know. Right, okay. Look, it's only once a year. It's just a job. Once a year, but for so many years. So many decades. So many centuries. On and on. Never ending. And it's not just a job. You can't quit. There's no way out. No way. It's too much for me. Too much. I can't stand it anymore. All right. All right, I can help. Or at least get you some help. No. No, you can't. It's too late for that. Much too late. Mal raised himself up a little so he could see the Santa, but ducked down again quickly if need be. The man waved his bottle in Mal's direction. Huh. I know you. Yeah, I I was in with my kids. Talking about Brad and Lauren made him look around for other kids in the workshop. There were several hiding behind a mock-up of Santa's sleigh, more at the rear of a particularly large present. They looked terrified. No. No. I mean, I know you, Malcolm. How the hell does he know my name? I must have mentioned it last week. I don't think so. Oh yes, I know you. Remember that year you went on and on with your parents about that toy garage? Yes, the one with the little car wash and bell. They told you they couldn't afford it, and you cried. Still arrived, though, didn't it? You got your wish. How did you know? He caught himself a moment too late. I know a lot of things, Malcolm. So many things. I know what a naughty boy you've been in your time as well, haven't you? Naughty? Does Wendy know about that female officer? No, I don't think she does. Mal's mind reeled. That was impossible. Nobody knew about the fling he'd had with Barbara Kelly. Not even Norm. And the druggie. Wasn't your fault, though. You did what you had to do. Shut up! Just like we all do. I said shut up! He stood and raised his pistol, aiming straight for the man's head. Go on. Do it then. Wouldn't be the first time, would it? I mean it. His hand was shaking, finger twitching on the trigger. Can't you see? All this... Santa Claus nodded at the obliterated workshop. All this is bullshit. The world's changed, son. You know it. I know it. Everything's gone bad. Including you. Santa didn't answer him, but Mal could see a tear trickling down his cheek, heading for the forest of white below. It really isn't too late, you know. Isn't it? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe in anything anymore? Mal was silent. Thought so. Santa raised his rifle, ready to shoot. Mal briefly saw a picture of the drug addict he'd killed all those months ago and froze. He heard the crying of the children, of the adults in that store. Did he really want to do this in front of them? Time was running out and he had to make up his mind. Santa dropped his gun and his whiskey. The man fell over, toppling against the golden throne. He raised a bloodied hand to clutch at the chair arm, but it slipped off, too wet to find purchase. Mal looked down at his pistol, expecting to see the telltale smoke rising from the barrel, but then he realized he hadn't been the one who'd fired. 
He glanced over his shoulder and saw Norm there, along with a number of SWAT officers, and unless he was mistaken, a few feds too. They swarmed in, checking on casualties, ushering the children to safety, securing the area. Mal moved forwards with Norm and the SWAT team to find the man dressed as Santa keeled over on the floor. They snatched the handguns from his belt, kicked away his rifle, and trained their own weapons on him. Somebody called for a paramedic and Mal noticed that a few had already entered the workshop to treat the wounded. It was too late for this particular casualty, however. Oh, oh, oh. He winked from behind his pair of cracked half-moon glasses before closing his eyes forever. You alright? Mal nodded, not trusting himself to speak. Mal turned and started to walk away. Hey, where are you going? Home. Norm jogged up alongside him. What about the report? Hey, Mal, oh, wait up. But Officer Malcolm Doherty was already on his way out of the store. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It began snowing while Mal walked, but he barely even noticed, and it was close to 12 by the time he arrived back home. Mal let himself in, headed straight for Lauren and Brad's rooms first. They were fast asleep, their innocent faces as pale as angels on the pillows. Mal left them in peace. Heavenly peace? He grabbed a bud from the fridge and walked into the lounge. The TV was on. The end of some stupid Christmas special featuring a variety of Z-list celebrities. Wendy was dozing on the couch. She only stirred slightly when Mal came in. He took a gulp from the bottle just as a newsflash came up on the television. In Crosby's tonight, the shootings left several people injured but only one person dead, the gunman, who has since been identified as a Mr. Christopher Kringle. A spokesperson for Crosby's said, he has only been an employee of this store for the last month, and his credentials seem very impressive. Mal switched off the set and took another swig of beer. The clock on the mantel chimed the hour. His eyes were drawn to the tree in the corner of the room and the wish lists below it. He wondered whether those wishes would ever be granted now that... No. He didn't want to think about it. Didn't even want to consider the outrageous possibility that one of the last shining lights, one of the last symbols of hope, was no more, that he'd been tainted by this world, driven mad by the demands placed on him. 
Kringle had just been some nut in a Santa suit. The things he'd said? Lucky guesses. Just another person who'd lost it and gone ape with America's favorite adult toys. I know what a nutty boy you've been in your time as well, haven't you? Mal took out his notepad and pen and scribbled something down. He walked over to the tree, bent down, left the note there. Then he joined his wife on the couch, slumping down beside her, and waited till morning to see if his wish really would come true. A Nightmare on 34th Street was written by Paul Kane and adapted by Brennan Store. Starring, in order of appearance, Sarah Kent as Angry Radio Personality, Ian Gibbs as Officer Malcolm Doherty, Brennan Store as Narrator and Santa Claus, Anthony Germain as Harry Grace, Aiden Germain as Norman Young and Crosby's employee, and Luke Greensmith as television newscaster. Original music composed and performed by Chris Morey. Sound effects by Epidemic Sound, SoundSnap, and freesound.org. Welcome back. Thanks to everyone who helped make that one happen, especially to Paul Kane for licensing the story to us, to Luke for making for facilitating that particular exchange and for mm-hmm. providing his voice. And yeah, to everyone who provided their voice, to you, to Anthony, to Aiden, to Sarah, to Chris. To you. Hey, I won't <laughs> say no. That was a lot of work. You got to take it. But yeah, that was a blast. I hope you folks enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. It's a real, real pleasure making those. Again, it's it's a ton of work. Like the Okay, folks, I'm going to put it this way. If you don't want to hear a bunch of nerdy shit about sound, you're probably going to want to skip ahead. (laughs) But I had to actually find a new sound archive in order to make that happen because the one we use typically, they're actually great for music. They're not so good Mm. for sound effects. Mm. So I found this other archive called SoundSnap, which you would have have heard in the credits there. And yeah, it it costs more money, but uh, fantastic stuff. And I went through this really, really nerdy or I fell into this really nerdy rabbit hole and I kind of had to pull myself out of it a bit because I started looking up, okay, so this is an NYPD service revolver that's firing. What kind of revolvers, right. what, kind, or what kind of guns do they use? Oh God, you went down that rabbit oh, hole? You, you have no idea. Oh, I do have an idea because I have looked at this stuff before and I totally get it. Because I, yeah, I, so I found out they used to use a particular, uh, a, a revolver. And so I went and found that sound effect, but it doesn't sound very shooty you know like it it doesn't right. have the the kind of sound effect I, I i needed i think you should have used a laser one. <laughs> well you know i mean next time next time <laughs> pew, pew. yeah there we go some we'll, we'll do a buck rogers story for the i think he's in the public domain now yeah, there you go <laughs> but uh but yeah and and so anyways i yeah the other trap i almost fell into was um fussing about what kind of car they use for cruisers and what kind of sound those cars doors make oh lord again i managed to i started looking and i thought no no no, just find a satisfying car door sound that's all that matters (laughs) oh my god that's funny but yeah so it's uh it's again I, i love doing that stuff so thank you so much for listening folks and uh just for for keeping us company this this 100 episodes this wild ass adventure oh so grateful though oh i couldn't be more grateful absolutely could not be more grateful and uh, speaking of gratitude it is time for our patron shout outs 
Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are... Shannon Avery. Oh, dear. <laughs> Satanus Nederlich. Good job. Donna Watts. Julia Lugubrious. Brian Cox. Thank you so, so much, guys. We, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Without you, mm-hmm. none of this is possible, and we are eternally, eternally grateful to you. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the 1, 5, 10, 20, and $50 levels with all kinds of goodies, stickers, exclusive episodes, art cards of my night photography, and of course, Ian's smash hit Christian country album, Oh, Where of Wonder. <laughs> and if you were a patron right now, you would, be, you would have heard this episode on Saturday. And you would be listening to our exclusive interview with author Paul Kane right now. So Mm -hmm. there's never been a better time to join. Again, that's patreon.com slash ghostory, guys. Our listeners will also have noticed there have been no mini shows this month. That's right. And that is because I took the time. uh, That's my fault. I took the time to focus on uh, this, on this, this instead of having those as well. I don't think that's a fault. I think that's just, you know, what happens when you pour yourself into a different creative vein that requires a much higher level of intensity. That's it. And, and, you know, because I've only done this once before, really, at this level, and sorry, and not quite at this level, I didn't know how much time I was going to need. So I thought, better just do it that, you know, it it will be okay for for a month. It'll all come back around. But the downside to doing that is we don't get to do our Ghost Force shoutouts. And of course, our patrons at the $20 level and above know that on every second mini show, you get a Ghost Force shoutout. So we thought... Why don't we do that here? Could there be a better time than our 100th episode? I cannot think of one. So, the members of Ghost Force are... Anne Ramey. Arwen Simons. Charlotte Clary. Chet. Christopher Coons. Colin Gately. Danny Hall. Eric Abel. Hannah Brown. Jackie McFarland. Jeanette Patterson. Jennifer Petty. Julia Lagubrius. Julie Formanic. Just Julie. Karen. Kimberly Hansen. Lumpy Rug Mark Semler Mary Rose W. Dunger Melanie No Jim Rebecca Cluche Rosemary Tinape Shannon Morton Stephanie And Tanya Downing Thank you so, so much You are the few You are the proud You are Ghost, Ghost Force. Force One more time, thanks again to Paul Kane for his story A Nightmare on 34th Street you can find him online on Twitter at Paul Kane Shadow and on Instagram at paul.kane.376. Thanks, too, to Chris Morey of the band Genki Genki Panic. Again, you can find more from him at genkigenkipanic.bandcamp.com. And if you want to pick up the soundtrack for this episode, that's where you go. And you will have it listed there and I believe on his personal Bandcamp page, which we will also link in the show notes. Also, before we go, we wanted to give a shout-out to the YouTube show The Grim Exchange. On episode three, they are going to be featuring a two-sentence horror story written by Luke, adapted from one of our scariest stories. Ooh. Yes, and read by Joshua Conkle, who's one of the writers for The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So again, you can find The Grim Exchange on YouTube, and make sure to check out episode three for Luke's story. If you could, we'd love for you to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever else you can leave a podcast review. Helps bump the numbers, attract more people to the show, and, well, it just makes us feel good. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him by searching for Pizzanta Music wherever you stream your tunes. 
His newest album, 1989, just hit streaming, so make sure to check that out. Our story's theme is usually, the future belongs to them now by Hexagram. Uh, that, of course, was not featured on this show, but you should still check out Hexagram wherever you stream your music. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And if you click on over to the Ghost Story Guys YouTube page, you can find a video for their latest single, One Good Scare, and that was cut together by yours truly. And if you ever wanted to see Ultraman beat the shit out of the monster from Fantasia, <laughs> that is the place to do it. <laughs> if you want to pick up any Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. There you can find links to our TeePublic and Redbubble stores. And if you head to ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com, you can buy signed copies of both of our books. Well, right now, just Ian's book, because mine has been out of stock for ages, and my new copies apparently are walking here. <laughs> And we also have a range of stickers, art cards with My Night Photography, and a few other things that will be refreshed over the course of the holiday. Uh, we had intended to launch a really sweet new sticker using a design from our listener, Kat, uh, but there was a foul up on the production end, and so unfortunately that will not be available in time for Christmas. Mm. But if you keep an eye out in the new year, you will see it in the store eventually. Yay! I guess that's going to do it. Yeah, I guess so. It's been a, a wild ride to 100. Yes, sir. So should we do some more maybe or have we hit our goal and we're done now? <laughs> yeah, just pack it up, roll it up. Yeah, we hit 100. I mean, you know, we can be like British TV, go out big, you know, just take care. Peace out. <laughs> you have to drag me away from this microphone, Gibbs. <laughs> okay, so that's a no. That's a no. Okay. We'll be back before you know it with another episode. And until then, into the darkness we go. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.